Welcome to the 266th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on January 6, 2022. My name is Brad Galloway, I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the woman who married me, Gina Galloway. Hey, everyone. Hey, welcome to the show, honey. What you doing down here? Uh, standing in our cold basement. That is very true. Also known as the Game Critics West Studio. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, people listening to the show may be feeling a little puzzled right now, uh, expecting probably Carlos Rodella, who is my normal co-host. Carlos, unfortunately, came out with a really hellacious case of syphilis on a sex tour of uh, Northern Europe. Best wishes to that guy. I think the surgery is going to go just fine. Uh, until he returns next week, we do have you here, so thank you for stepping in. No problem. Happy to do it. All right. So you have been on the show before, um, and it's been quite a while, though. I think the last time you were on the show uh, was when original co-host Corey Motley was still around. Does that seem about right? I think so. So it's been a couple of years now, at least. At least. Yeah. You know, we actually did a couple of episodes with you in the past. In um, the first version of So Video Games with Corey, uh, you came on a couple times, and I think the best episode we had you on, if memory serves, is we were talking about oh, it was some dating sim. I can't remember the name of it, but it was about a really aggressive like like pickup artist game, and it was set from the female perspective. Unfortunately, my memory fails me right now. I should have done the research, but listeners know we don't do any research on the show. But that was a really good episode, and we had a really long chat um, with me giving like the the straight guy perspective, you giving the female perspective, and Corey had some interesting things to say from the gay perspective back then. So that was, I think, a really good episode. I'm glad we had you on, and it's been, I got, gosh, I guess since then, since we've had you on, it's been it's been too long. Yeah, that was that was probably the last one. It was a good discussion. I mean, really, could we top it? So we just needed to take a break for a while. Yeah, that's a really hard act to follow. So anyway, thank you very much for coming back and stepping in for Carlos uh, last minute. Really, really appreciate it. Um, so I guess before we kick things off, uh, you know, I'm sure we've had a lot of listeners who weren't around um, back then. We've gained a lot of listeners, grown the show quite a bit, which is awesome. Uh, but there's probably a lot of people out there who uh, have never heard your voice on the show before and probably missed those episodes. Uh, so I guess, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Like specifically, I mean, obviously you're my wife, mother of my child, love of my life, great woman all around, two thumbs up. But, uh, you know, well, only two. Well, if I had a third one, I'd give it to you. Maybe later. Uh, oh, so boy. I guess uh, we want to tell people listening uh, what your game background is. I mean, you're a gamer through and through, right? And that's really one of the, the things I love most about you. Um, not the only thing, but one of the things. Um, when we got married, it was really important to me that the person I married, like, at least be okay with games, if not a gamer. And you actually were like a full-on gamer. So well, I, I think you should probably share the story. Of our first date. I don't know if I've ever talked about that. Yeah, so our very first date, this is funny. So on our very first date, uh, you know, we had been kind of eyeing each other and making, you know, tentative first steps. And I believe I asked you out uh, after work one night. Was it Applebee's or something like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, probably not my restaurant of choice, but it was super close to work. And so it didn't seem so creepy. And it was a safe place. You know, if I turned out to be a creep, you could escape. If you were a creep, I could escape. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and so we went to Applebee's because that was close by and still open. We were working the night shift at that time. Uh, and so we went in, had dinner. I believe you had the Asian chicken salad. Pretty sure. 
Uh, I probably had some chicken strips or something like that. And at the end of the dinner, uh, we were going to go Dutch. You know, we we're gonna, each going to pay for our own dinner because that's just, you know, no one wanted to be uh, on the hook for anything at that particular point since we were just getting to know each other. Uh, you opened up your wallet and I saw that you had a GameStop uh, discount card in your wallet. And, you know, back when GameStop was still a thing. Is it still a thing? I don't even know if those stores are still around. I mean, they're trying. God, it's been so long since I've been to GameStop. But anyway, uh, you opened up your wallet and I was sitting so close. That, you know, Not like I was trying to like, peek in your wallet, but it just happened to be there. And I saw it and I'm like, whoa, like, is that your GameStop discount card? And you said, why, yes, it is. And I'm like, showing. <laughs> <laughs> Got a keeper here, folks. And here we are. What is it? 16, 17 years later? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's worked out really well. So that was good call by me. Pat on my back. And good call for you for being who you are. So apart from that story, let's talk about your particular gameography, your background. So like I said, you've always been a gamer from the get go, which is awesome. Now, when I met you, you were pretty deep into like third person platformers, like character action platformers, kind of like you know, the Marios and that kind of a thing, um, Crash Bandicoot, et cetera, et cetera. Now, are you still in that zone or like, uh, you know, how would you describe yourself as a game player? You know, I would still describe myself that way, but I platformers were always my, my go-to games. Those were always the ones I loved with the puzzles and jumping around and everything. Those were my favorite kind of games. But, you know, as I was thinking about it, as we were getting prepared for the show, you know, I was thinking about what my favorite games recently that I've played. And, you know, I was thinking about Dark Souls and Let It Die and The Witcher. And those are games that I've loved recently playing. And I would love to go back and try them again. And so none of those are platformers. So would I still consider myself that that's my go-to game? I, I don't know. I mean, it's a good question because the action platformer or character-based platformer is something that's really... If, you know, they're not gone, but they've really fallen out of favor recently. I mean, I, we saw the Crash Bandicoot revamp like last year or the year before. Uh, I mean, there's always like a Sonic game scumming around somewhere like that never goes away. But they're not nearly as popular as they used to be, although we are seeing a small resurgence. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense that you may still want your heart to be there, but they're just not as available as they used to be. Um so I guess that's fine. I mean, we you really do have uh, gamer cred. And like you, you mentioned off like The Witcher, which is like, I mean, one of my favorite games of all time, certainly. And Dark Souls. I know that the uh, the new what Elden Ring is coming out in February. Are you excited about that? I'm very excited. Very I can't excited. Wait. You know, I am actually excited, too. And I believe that our plan is to play that co-op. If I'm pretty sure you can co-op it all the way through from what I know. I mean, that may be wrong information, but. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to playing that co-op with you. It's funny because I was recently talking to a friend um, who was uh, a very big Dark Souls fan. And they were saying they kind of had their fill of the series because they played through them all a million times. And were looking for new experiences. And were, they were going to probably give Elden Ring a pass. And were asking me, was I going to jump in or how was I feeling? You know, kind of taking my temperature on it. And I, you know, honestly, I'm not sure that I would have played it if not for you. Because I know that you're excited about it and you being excited makes me excited and doing something like that co-op all the way through. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, especially because in the past we have done co-op in various FromSoft games, but it's always been such a fucking pain in the ass to like co-op. They've never made it really, really easy. So hopefully this time it's going to be simple, right? Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to that part of it. So I'm excited. I am excited too. Okay. Excellent. Well, um, let's just get right to it. I think tonight's going to be a shorter show for, 
a couple of reasons. Number one, it's almost one o'clock in the morning here. This is not usually when we record, but since uh, Gina and I are both parents and we both have things that we do online in terms of work, this was the only time we could record. So we're probably not going to be here until the break of dawn. Uh, also, since Carlos is laid up uh, with his medication going and that IV running, um, I'm going to be handling the podcast editing duties this week, and I don't think I've ever edited a podcast in my life. So we're going to keep this short. I need a little bit less work on my plate, and hopefully I can get this thing stitched together, and it's not going to sound like too much of a Frankenstein. So with that said, let's get into the usual next segment of our show. Now, honey, I know you've heard me record this show before. Um, Carlos and I generally share a virtual living space. It's a big house split down the middle with a roll of duct tape. He's not here. Uh, so I guess we're going to talk about our actual living space because we do literally share a living space and there is no duct tape down the middle, but we still have quite a bit of housekeeping to do. So this is the segment where we talk about anything at all just to kind of get warmed up for the show. I have maybe like one or two things, but of course, you being the guest here on the show, would you like to kick us off with anything? Would I like to kick us off? Um, well, I think the top thing that has been on our mind lately, besides, you know, the dumpster fire that is the world right now, is just the weather that we've been having lately. All the snow being, I, I didn't think that we could have more cabin fever than we have had with this quarantine, with the pandemic with all of that stuff. And then, you know, mother earth decided, hold my beer. Here's a snowstorm. So you can just be completely frozen inside your house for the next week. So that's been fun today. I think was the first day where things kind of fully melted off and we could walk on the sidewalk without cracking our skulls open. So that has been a bitch this week. I have not been enjoying this. And yeah. even, I mean, even Witty, our son, was the first couple of days super excited. It's the snow. I'm going to play out in it. And after like a couple of days, he was like, I'm I'm good. This can go now. I'm done. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a good point because, you know, we are still definitely on the conservative side when it comes to COVID, especially with Omicron coming around and today's announcement of the flu Rona. Jesus oh H. Christ, God. right? I mean, give me a fucking break. <laughs> Um, so we uh, definitely like our masking and not going out to very many things and our son's not boosted. So that really cuts into, um, the places that we, we want to expose ourselves. We've been really staying home a lot, but you know, we've still been taking walks around the neighborhood. We've been, you know, getting groceries, going to the farm store to get supplies for our chickens or whatever, but man, that snow hit. And, you know, to be honest, it's not a ton of snow. I mean, a lot of places get more snow than we do. I'm sure. But number one, I mean, Seattle and, and Western Washington doesn't generally get much snow at all. And also the thing about Seattle is it's we got a lot of fucking hills here and they're really steep hills. So even a little bit of snow turns a regular hill into like like a death slide into oblivion, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm originally from Minnesota, so. I'm, I get that this is not a lot of snow. This is a dusting in a lot of areas. And I didn't realize until I moved out of Minnesota that how much, how little money is put into other areas that don't get a lot of snow, how little money is put into managing the snow, which makes sense, right? You don't need to have a bunch of plows and the process for, you know, taking care of the roads if you only get snow once every few years. But then when you do get that little dusting, all bets are off. Schools are closed. Nobody's going anywhere. The, you know, grocery stores are empty and all this stuff. So, but this week has been pretty rough. There was, there was a decent amount of snow and it was just really icy and just, it was terrible. I mean, lucky for us, we had a warm house. We had 
stocked pantry. We were good to go, but I am ready to get out of the house for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I was going to say, what was I bringing to housekeeping today? You know, we've been <laughs> stuck at home, like you just said. And so we've been watching a little more TV than usual since we haven't been able to get out at all. And one of the things that we've been watching recently is Last Man on Earth, the one that stars Will Forte. Uh, the show begins where he thinks he literally is the last man on Earth because of a viral outbreak uh, in, in, I guess, America and the world. Uh, hitting a little close to home right now. Um, so a little bit uncomfortable with that. But it's generally a pretty funny series. Uh, the entire thing wrapped up. I think there's four or five seasons. We're watching it on Hulu. And it's good because... For people who haven't seen it, uh, like as the, the premise states, virus, for whatever reason, I don't know if he's immune or maybe he was just in a bunker or something. It's not really clear what happened, but as the series starts, he's, you know, as far as he knows, the last person alive on Earth. He's driving around America. He's um, writing on billboards saying that he's planning to move to Tucson. So, like, he drives from one end of the country to the other and every big billboard he sees, he, like, parks and writes, you know, alive in Tucson, come to Tucson all across the country. And it sounds like kind of a, I don't know, like walking dead post-apocalyptic sort of a show. And it is on some levels, but it's also really funny. Um, it's funny because there's just jokes and there's funny situations. Um, of course, it's not much of a spoiler to say that he is not literally the last person on earth because all the promos, all the trailers do show other people. So it's not a spoiler there, but the thing that I think is interesting about the show. Um, and I definitely want to get your thoughts on this, honey. Um, from one thing, so it's it's a comedy, but there's also many moments where it's like poignant or thoughtful or really honest about the human condition. And the other thing that I think is really, really, really interesting about the show is the main character. His name is Phil Miller. Um, he is a complete piece of shit. He is a complete <laughs> asshole. And it's funny because he's such a dick. Yeah, he's a, he's a total piece of shit. It's interesting because you would think that him being the protagonist of the show, that he would be the one you're rooting for that, you know, he'd be the one that the audience would identify with. And kind of at first he is when he's all by himself. He's not even really an anti-hero in my no, opinion. No, no, he's, he's, he's just an just asshole. Dick. Yeah. He's a really broken human being in a lot of ways was very likely broken before the pandemic. Yes. So it's not because of that, it was, but it's only made worse, right? Exacerbated. Yeah, just, yeah, it was just enhanced. It's so funny because for the first one or two episodes before anybody shows up, you're thinking, Oh, he's so lonely. It must be so tough to be alone. And he's kind of, you know, he's kind of like going a little nutso. And then when people show up, you're like, oh, actually, you're just a dick. <laughs> you're just you're just a piece of shit. So, I mean, I've really been enjoying the show a lot. I think we're pretty close to the end of season two. What do you uh, No spoilers, of course. But sure. what do you think of it? I can't. No spoilers. No, no spoilers. No spoilers. Spoiler okay. show. Um, yeah, I've, I've really been enjoying it. I wasn't sure. I was a little skeptical the first uh, few episodes. Also. I am hardcore trying to avoid shows that remind me of real life uh, terribleness. Every show is about so, a virus. These I know, days. right? And uh, so, yeah. So I was a little, I was a little nervous about whether this could really be funny or if I would just be thinking, you know, COVID the whole time. Um, and it, it's been really good. I, I have really enjoyed it. I think one of my favorite things about the show is the fact that nobody puts up with the main character Phil Miller's bullshit. Like they don't even like, like pretend to, or like kind of like, you know, be okay with it or just like move on or whatever. Like they're like, you're lying, you're an asshole. And then they just like move on. And I find that kind of hilarious. It's such a small group and stuff. And I appreciate that. They're just like, you're a dick. 
and they just like like move on and that's just one of the pieces that I've I've found very amusing by it. Yeah, I agree. He does he makes a lot of really bad choices. He lies. He's like a pathological liar and he's just he's very self-centered and if he got away with that, it would make the show like really unwatchable because he would just be the shitty guy doing shitty things. But like you said, like I mean, he gets away with like a couple things until people are onto him and then they start calling him out. Um, I mean, like giving him various punishments and just like catching him in his lies and stuff. And I really like how he's he's making bad choices and paying the price for it. And he still can't stop making the bad choices. So he's like a super bad. He try he tries for yeah. a while, but then he just he can't he can't do it. And it's it's those moments. We've talked about this before where he is asked a question and he has like this like three second period where you can see him going what do I want to say? I could say the truth or I could lie. What could I get out of it? Can I get away with it? It's like you can literally like yeah, see the thought yeah. bubble happening and it's just, it's hilarious. Yeah. Will Forte does a good job of portraying Phil Miller. He's just like this weird scheming weasel. And you know, there's like the shred of a good person in there somewhere, but oh man, it's not very much. He's, there's a lot of bad surrounding that shred of a good person. So I think it's really interesting, but also there's more to it than that. I mean, there's living in the new world. There's relating to people in, in post-apocalypse, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, so far we've got about half of the show's run left. So I'm very curious to see where it goes. But so far, definitely a thumbs up. I'm digging it. Yep. Agreed. All right. Um, I think the only other thing on my plate. Did you have anything else you want to bring? or No. No? I'm okay. good. All right. I finished my housekeeping things. all right yeah you're pretty pretty good at housekeeping I'm efficient. yeah very efficient um the last thing i was going to mention is irish oatmeal also known as steel cut oatmeal um it seems like here in america and you can feel free to contradict me if i'm wrong i, I feel do. like i feel like a lot of people don't have a good relationship with oatmeal and i feel like a lot of that is like squarely on the fault of the the quaker the quaker guy who the, i mean the quaker is a quaker so that that guy you know what i'm talking about <laughs> Uh, that dude yeah quaker oatmeal their their mascot is a quaker so it felt weird to say quaker so many times and now i've said it like 10 more times now i've made it weird quaker Quaker. um instant oatmeal is gross it's slimy and sludgy and nasty and i feel like that's probably a lot of people's experience with it on top of the fact i mean real talk a lot of people in america just don't know how to cook at all and i blame the educational system i blame american culture with both parents having to work and so that knowledge isn't getting passed down i mean we could talk about that for like an hour right but like a lot of people just don't know how to cook oatmeal properly. And I think oatmeal is delicious. It's one of our favorite breakfast foods. You got to cook it right. You got to give it the right condiments and stuff. It's really, really good. But I think rolled oats is what we usually have. And instead of rolled oats, we've been having steel cut oats, which is a different kind of oat. It's also known as Irish oatmeal. I don't know if the Irish actually eat it that way. If anybody in Ireland is listening, please let me know. Uh, because it would be funny if you guys called that American oatmeal over there. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but it's nutty. It cooks a lot longer, like maybe like 45 minutes to cook. And it has a very different texture. It ends up kind of like being a really, I mean, kind of like a porridge, kind of like a thicker tapioca, but not as gummy. Um, I made it for our son Whitaker for the very first time a couple days ago. Um, I just had like a wild hair and I wanted to cook that um, and not rolled out. So I'm like, well, we're going to try this for a change. And I honestly, I wasn't sure he was going to like it. I thought there was a very good chance he was going to just be like, yeah, dad, this is gross. This is not for me. Uh, he ended up loving it. Uh, he loved it. He ate all that we had, and then he made me cook it for him the next day. So I feel like that was a win. Um, how do you feel about uh, Irish oats, honey? 
I, I think they're delicious. I think the only reason I don't make them more is because they are kind of a time intensive yeah, kind of thing. Slow cook. I mean, we have an instant pot. We can we can do Irish oats in that. But um, you know, I mean, I've really liked them. I you know, normally the way we make our oatmeal is and I'm sure a lot of people are like, we don't want to hear anything about Everybody's super interested oatmeal. in this right now, I know. Please <laughs> but, fast forward five minutes if you don't want to hear this, folks. But we've always made our oatmeal, our our rolled oats oatmeal with with about like you know what a third a quarter of i of steel cut yeah, mixed in like two third rolled oats one third yeah because it it adds to the texture it adds to the nuttiness so i think that's part of the reason why whitaker likes it is because it already we kind of already had oatmeal that way like with that nuttier flavor to familiar, it yeah. um and that added to the texture so i mean yes it's delicious it's been cold and miserable and shitty outside so you know a good bowl of oatmeal with some brown sugar and you know, nuts and raisins and all that stuff. Well, not raisins. I mean, I raisins. I love raisins. I mean, my way to have a bowl of oatmeal uh, is like raisins, a little bit of shredded coconut, some milk, brown sugar, chia, um, seeds. chia seeds, maybe. So it's a pretty. I will do bowl. all of that, but the raisins can yeah, well, be tossed in the bin. We'll talk about that after the show. All right, uh, I think that's going to do it for housekeeping. We are good on that. I'm sure the listeners are good as well. <laughs> We're going to get on to the main content of the show. Last week, or last week or the week before, Carlos brought the gunk to the show. Um, this one is a third-person action platformer, kind of an adventure game about a woman who has a prosthetic right arm, which can do all sorts of different things, going to a planet. And a big part of the gameplay is absorbing the gunk. It's like this, I don't know, purple-blackish weird viscous stuff that's kind of killing the planet and your main character needs to like clean it up kind of like a mario sunshine sort of thing sucks it up with her arm at the same time exploring the planet um having a lot of dialogue with her co-pilot i mean slash partner i guess i don't know back of the ship um so it's kind of a real kind of firewatch vibe where there's a lot of uh, banter back and forth um a lot of character development going on so I played it a bit. Uh, Carlos played it a lot. He really liked it a lot, but I know that you have also played it, and I figured this would be a good chance to talk about it a little bit more in depth. So why don't you give us your your thoughts on the gunk? I know you've been digging this lately. I have. I haven't finished it quite yet, so I haven't come to the to the climax of the game yet. But, and um, no spoilers, by the way. Yeah, wait, I can't? Again, no spoilers. I, I yes. thought we did spoilers on this. That's no? A no. Okay. All right. Um, so, yeah, I've really been enjoying it. I, I've had a hard time lately, honestly. I don't know if you've talked about this lately, but just getting into games lately. Okay. I don't know if it's just the world or work or what it is. And so um, this has been the first one in a while that I've kind of gotten back into it. There's not it's it's nothing too intensive, not super complicated. It's pretty straight up game. Like you said, you're running around, you're cleaning up this gunk, you're collecting resources, you're you know, basically cleaning up this planet that you thought didn't really have anything for you to take, which is kind of a weird part of the game so far that I'm noticing that I'm like, it's kind of weird because like you said, there's that banter with her and her her person on the on the ship. And they're talking about like, oh, my God, you know, all these planets have been like, you know, raped of all their resources. And we don't want like the higher ups to know about this because they're going to come in and just take all this stuff while you're cleaning it up and then instantly taking away resources after you do that. So right. it's just kind of a weird, I mean, I'm sure I'm just thinking way too much into this, but I'm kind of curious to see where it's going to go. Cause again, I'm not to the end yet to just, 
it's just weird to me because they have this discussion about that. And yet, as soon as you clean it up, new resources instantly spring up and you're supposed to suck them up and use them to improve your your little arm machinery that you have and stuff like that. And it just feels weird to be like, I'm going to clean all this up. And oh, my God, I can't believe all these people are taking these resources. I'm also going to take these resources. So anyway, moving on. And so that's a little odd part. Um, but so far, it's been it's been really enjoyable. I mean, it's there's like a tiny bit of um, combat in there that you have to do. But honestly, it's mostly just maneuvering around the world, cleaning it up, finding these resources, improving your stuff, and then just kind of moving on to the next thing. Again, nothing super complicated. And it's it's kept my interest, which is saying something because, again, I feel like a lot of stuff I start it and then I'm just like, uh, anyway, moving on. And then I just don't come back to it. So, but I've, uh, but I've been enjoying this one. It's been pretty good. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know how long it is. I know Carla said it was only, you know, maybe six or eight hours at the most or something. So you're probably pretty close. Yeah. To I think I'm almost done. What do you think it is about this one that's grabbed you? Whereas um, so many other games recently haven't really stuck. And I, I totally second that, by the way, I've been really feeling the exact same thing myself, but uh, what do you, why do you think this one stuck? Um, I think the, the simplicity in a good way, you know, there's just, the expectations are very clear on what you need to do and how you're maneuvering. I think also, honestly, like talking at the beginning of the the show today, talking about what kind of games I like, this one feels a little bit like some of the early platformers I used to play and stuff like that. So I think there's a little bit of that too, like a little bit of a nostalgia feel to it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just, for whatever reason, has just really stuck with me. And again, I feel like it's the kind of just I can jump in, do a little bit, and just jump back out, which I think has been appealing, especially to my schedule. So yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I've been putting some time into it as well. I think you're you're definitely a lot further than I am because I'm kind of jumping back and forth between a few things. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty good. I don't know that it's hooked me as much as it's hooked you. Uh, I think I do like the banter a lot, and I, I want to get your opinion. Like, what do you think of the talk? Because as you're the main character, I forget what her name is, but she's with the robot arm running around on the Ronnie, planet. Ro Ronnie, or something Ronnie, like that. something like that. Um, when she's out in the field, like jumping, hopping and bopping, picking up the sludge with her arm and getting resources and stuff, like almost the entire time, you've got the voice of your, I mean, I don't know if you guys are just business partners, maybe your life partners. It's kind of undetermined um, at the part of the game where I'm at. But she stays back in the ship um, and she's the pilot. And so she'll often come in on your your comm link on your ear and she'll be like, oh, hey, we've got interference over here and I found this thing over here and how's it going? And then you kind of have these little dialogues back and forth. And I think that's actually pretty cool. I really, it's probably my favorite part of the whole game so far. Um, what do you what do you think about that dialogue and that kind of uh, the banter back and forth? I, I've been enjoying that. I think you you see as they go on, and not none of this is spoiler, but you see as you go on that they both have they have kind of differing views of what their goal should be while they're there, and that becomes a lot of what the banter is about: is what are they trying to accomplish while they're there? And it's pretty clear that one of them thinks the goal should be one thing, and one thinks the should be something else. So that you know, lends itself to some conflict that happens between them and that continues in this, the discussion. So that, yeah, the banter I think has been an interesting part of it. Um, I definitely, I, it drives me crazy when I play games and there's discussions that are happening and I'm also trying to accomplish something and they, that hasn't happened a ton in this, which I appreciate. Like you can just kind of stop and let them have their discussion or, just continue to suck up the gunk and it's not really interfering necessarily, which I 
definitely appreciate. You know, that's actually a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I feel the exact same thing. And I, I don't know that we've ever really talked about it that much on the show, but you know, that's, that's very true. A lot of times developers want to get like their world building in or their, you know, their lore or whatever. And they'll, they'll have you doing something. Um, you know, you're walking from point A to point B, or maybe you're doing a combat or something. And then at the same time, somebody's coming in on the radio and they'll, they'll be telling you something. Oh, your next objective is this or, Oh, I heard about this. And it's, it's, it's really poorly done most of the time because uh, in a lot of instances, if you're in the middle of combat, you know, you're paying attention to blocking, dodging, shooting. And I don't know about you guys, uh, the listeners out there, but for me, most of my brain power is probably devoted to staying alive in combat. And I'm not really listening to what's going on. It can't, I can't like pay close attention to the nuances of the script when I'm trying to like stay alive or, you know, like, so, like there's always something on your flying ship or, you're dodging meteors or something. And I always, I get really irritated because I can't focus on two things at once. I mean, human beings are not really built that way, but I will say I didn't really notice it until you brought it up. But now that you brought it up, I totally agree that the developers of the gunk have done a really good job of, despite the fact that there's a lot of dialogue, they have timed it so that usually when the dialogue comes in, there's not usually anything going on. Like the most you're doing is like maybe walking from point A to point B and just walking like nothing hardcore. There's not a lot of combat. Or maybe you're doing like one or two platform jumps, but nothing that takes too much brain power. So, you know, I bet that's intentional because um, it's really, really well done. And I can't remember any time when I was playing the gunk and I was like, oh, shut up. I'm doing something and I can't focus. Like it's very, it's very measured, right? Yeah, no, I would agree. And it's, that is definitely a pet peeve of mine when I'm playing a game and I'm clearly supposed to be paying attention to what they're telling me or, you know, this is an interesting part or whatever. And I can't. Because I've got like five other things that are happening on the screen and I'm trying to like defend myself or run away or do whatever it is I'm trying to do and also listen to what they're prattling on about. And I'm just like, I, I just can't. You know, I didn't spend a lot of time with it, but if memory serves, um, and it may not, uh, I believe the Spider-Man game from Insomniac, I didn't put a lot of time into that, but I think that you played it a lot more than I did. In that game, when Peter Parker, we haven't played the Miles Morales one yet, but the Peter Parker one. Um, if he was talking to somebody and then a fight broke out, didn't he say something like, hold on, I'll call you back. And then you did the fight. And then when the fight was over, he'd be like, where were we? Is is that the game? I feel uh, like that was what it was. I don't remember. You can just Maybe. say yes. It's fine. Yes. That is, that is a thing that I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's one of the Spider-Man games. So kudos if that's true. <laughs> if not some developer, please steal that idea. And also kudos to the gunk for not having you try to do two things at once. So um, I don't know that I'm going to finish it because I'm just feeling really scattered right now. And I have like three other games that I'm kind of jumping between. Do you feel like you're going to finish the gunk? Yeah, I'll probably finish that one. I, you know, I'm pretty close to the end, I feel. So I'll probably wrap it up maybe this weekend. All right, right on, right on. All right, that was the gunk. Uh, you're playing it on Xbox S, I believe. It's, is that on Game Pass? It is Game Pass, right? It's got to no. be. No? Is it? It's got to be Game you... Pass. Uh, I don't know. I think it's Game Pass. Um, all right. Let me talk for a minute about Dead Cells. Uh, so as we say at the show, you know, new stuff, old stuff, anything in between. I don't know that this is old, but it's definitely not new. So I guess it's maybe in between. Um, and I feel like the people listening to the show probably already have a good familiarity with Dead Cells. But just in case, uh, this is a 2D action platformer uh, roguelike that came out a while ago from developer Motion Twin. Um, pretty pretty big splash when it hit i think the the main claim to fame was the animation's pretty off the hook here it's pretty good really smooth really action-packed and 
There are a lot of different weapons in the game. And just, just playing Dead Cells has a very unique feel to it, like the momentum, the speed, how it feels to jump up and down on platforms and do the weapons. I mean, it's got a, a great tactile feel to it. Uh, but basically, there is a story. I don't know exactly what the story is because I'm not very far in the game. Never got very far. Uh, but you play like a cluster of cells, I guess you are. Um, and you attach yourself to like a dead body at the beginning of a run. And this is a roguelike, remember? Um, so you attach yourself to a, a body. You go through in this 2D action platformy way, uh, collecting resources, gold, um, collecting cells that you use for upgrades. Get as far as you can. And if you die, you get sent back to the beginning uh, as a cluster of cells and you pick up a new body and try again. Um, so I like roguelikes. Everybody who listens to the show knows I am like Mr. Roguelike. I play them all. I started this one when it came out a while ago. And to be perfectly honest, I felt like it was really fucking hard and punishing. I like the, the graphics. I like the animation. I like the concept. But this one did not feel like it had a lot of progression where you'd go onto a run you might pick up some cells for upgrades that are permanent, but if you die, like you lose a lot of them. I think almost all of them, if 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 not all of them. Uh, and then you get back to the beginning, and it's like, oh, you're basically at zero. So it's really punishing in terms of modern roguelikes. And I just felt like a lot of the bosses were extremely difficult, and I feel like the difficulty ceiling of this game was just really really high. So although I do, I, I mean, I play hard games when they click with me, but for some reason this one didn't click with me, and I put it aside. Uh, because I figured, oh, you know, a couple patches, a couple updates, maybe they'll uh, polish that difficulty down a little bit and they'll, you know, add some new content and stuff. So they've had, I think, at least three or four really big DLC updates. And I believe there's one more coming that I believe may be the final one. They've been working on this game for at least two or three years since uh, since release. Uh, so kudos to them. Uh, but I jumped back in for whatever reason. I just I just felt like I wanted to play it again because I never really um, got the measure of it. And it's been good and fun. Um, still good to play in terms of how it feels. Fast action, responsive controls, great animation. It's definitely easier. Um, I'm not going to say that it's easy by any means, but I definitely feel like um, I'm getting a lot further than I used to. So I don't think that I've specifically gotten better at this game. I think the game is just like slightly more forgiving, which is good. Um, but I gotta say, it still feels really punishing. Um, the progression is very slow. I feel like it takes a long time to unlock things that you can use on future runs. And in general, it's just like unlocking different weapons and stuff. Like you're not really getting like super, super stronger. Um, apart from things like maybe, um, getting an extra life flask or something to give yourself some healing. Um, so I like it a lot. I really kind of wish it was not so much of a grind because as every time I do a run and fail, I come back and it's just kind of soul crushing because the gains are so small. Um, but I really want to like it a lot. And I just, ah, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to go the distance though. So I'm, I'm kind of chipping away at it now. It's definitely in better shape than it was. And if anybody liked it back then, it might be a good time to revisit, especially since the final DLC is going to be dropping very, very soon, if not already. Um, but I don't know. I, I think this one might just be a little bit more than I want to commit to. So we'll see. We'll see. Gina, I know that you're not the biggest fan of roguelikes. Oh my God, no. Have you, I don't, have <laughs> I ever gotten you to play any? You must have played at least one uh, yeah, or two. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of any names off the top of my head, but like he, listening to you describe this game, talking about like working through your level and putting all this time and effort into it and then dying and getting reset with like nothing. 
it raises my blood pressure just hearing about it. So roguelike, or it's not my genre of game. Yeah, I know it's not yours. It's definitely not Carlos's either. And I, you know, I, it's a very specific kind of roguelike that I like, and that's probably why I bounced off this one. I don't, I don't like them to be super punishing, right? I like the thing that I like about this, and I've talked about this before. The thing I like about roguelikes is that when you start a run, you don't always know what you're going to have, and so I like the moment to moment improvisation of like, okay, last time I had a sword and a shield that worked out fine. This time I don't have that same sword. Maybe I have a gun, maybe I have a spear, maybe I have an ax and all those things handle differently. You know, maybe I have a special weapon, maybe I have a, a boost or a buff that I, that I have that I didn't have last time. So I like the moment to moment improvisation. How am I playing differently based on the gear that I have this time around? And that's um, a, a different kind of micro challenge that I enjoy, but I, you know, even though I enjoy that kind of stuff, I also want to feel like I'm making progress. Like I want to feel like I'm going to eventually beat the game because I don't want to feel like I'm just like throwing my time away. And a lot of the best roguelikes these days really are respectful of that, where they'll make you feel like you're working towards an endpoint. You're slowly getting better. You're increasing stats. Um, and I like, I like that, how the genre has progressed in that way. But I think dead cells to me is a little bit too harsh, even still. Um, I'm still chipping away, but it definitely doesn't check all my boxes, so I may, I may bounce. This is probably not something you're ever going to play, is it? No, not from from the description <laughs> I'm hearing right now. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely like listening to you know you explain what you like about roguelike games. You know, I I totally can understand that, and I think the part a big reason why I'm not like they don't often click with me is exactly what you were talking about, where like I want a beginning, middle, end. Like I want to. I am one of those people, like, I want to accomplish, I want to, I want to be done, like, I wrapped it up, I'm good, I, I won, and I move on, Yes. and I don't always feel that way with those, or at least I'm not feeling the progression, because it just feels like I start over, and I start over, and I start over, and that's just not, not for me. Yeah, it's not for everybody, certainly, and I don't know, I don't know that this one's even for me anyway, so, um, I just thought it was worth mentioning, Dead Cells, still a thing, still getting updates, still getting rebalances, it plays great on the Switch, which is where I'm playing it, I believe it's on every platform at the moment, but if you want a balls-hard roguelike that does have some great animation and great concepts, um, check it out. All right, uh, let's move on really quickly. Next on the agenda, Kiwi, K-E-Y-W-E. I talked about this one last episode, but you were not here, and Carlos had not played the game at that point. So I thought it was worth bringing back just to kind of talk about it a little bit more in depth. Uh, for those people who don't know, or if you didn't catch last episode, this is a... It's a I mean, you can play it by yourself, but it's obviously intended to be a two-player co-op experience where you play as two Kiwi birds, Jeff and Deborah, which I think is very adorable. You are very small, as Kiwi birds are, and you're working in a full-sized post office. Well, it's not exactly a post office. It's like a post office. It's also like a, I don't know, like a way station out in the wilds of New Zealand, I guess, um, where you're also like, you have these emus, which are like your messenger birds, and you've got boxes and parcels to deliver. And you're kind of just like out in the, in the boonies, and you're helping a full-sized human run his post office in the best way you can. Um, so like, for example, if someone has a telegram, you need to type it out, you, you know, you have to like jump up on a keyboard and use your whole body to type the keys. Or if you have a parcel to send, you bounce on your butt. A lot. Yeah. You bounce <laughs> on your butt a lot. These Kiwis do a lot of butt stomping. If you have a parcel to send, you got like one Kiwi will push the parcel. The other one will kind of 
uh, get a sticker on their butt and butt stomp it on top of the box to label it for shipping. That kind of a thing where you're using your small size to kind of manipulate things that are generally like the size of a human person. So uh, I, we, we played a fair amount of this, probably like three quarters of it, I think. Um, we took a short break. But what are your thoughts on Kiwi so far? Because uh, I think I wouldn't have played this other than the fact that I knew uh, we're married. I didn't forget that. Uh, and I'm glad you remember I know, that. right? And we're, we like to play a lot of co-op games together. So whenever something co-op comes down the pike, I'm like, oh, you know, this might be something good to play with the wife. And you're the wife. So that is you. What do you think of it so far? Like, uh, what's your thoughts on Kiwi? Um, it's it's very cute. It's, you know, it actually, um, I think I mentioned this to you earlier, that the the music and the, the kind of sound effects and stuff remind me of, um, what's the, what was the... Viva Pinata. Viva Pinata, yes. That's what it reminds me of. So I don't know if anybody's played that game, but it totally like when the things bust open and the little like sound that it makes, that's totally what it reminds me of. Um, so it's very cute, super fun. It's just challenging enough that, you know, we need to make sure that we communicate with each other while we're like, you know, couch co-op and playing the game. And so that's been really fun. Um, the one thing I would say so far that I find frustrating is um, you know, we've tried to go back, right. And some of the very early levels and try and like get a gold, you know, cause there's yeah. the different tiers of, you know, you got a silver or you got a bronze or you got a, you exactly, suck or exactly. whatever. And we cannot, I think you and witty got a gold. So I find that very frustrating that I haven't even gotten one gold. It, it and my 12 year old's like, yeah, I got one. Was, I don't know what you're talking about. It was fully an accident. I don't think we intended to get it, but it is like in fear. Like I, don't understand how they make a gold happen because we have like gone back and played like earlier easier levels and like we're like not even close to getting I, I don't know anyway so that's a little frustrating but in general it's been pretty fun I was wondering if it was going to be able to keep our attention because like you said it's like they're these kiwis in a post office okay cool but you know and you have the same general tasks that you need to do like you said there's the telegram send a package what's the other one there's like one other one that's like a regular like i guess it's the mail, mail sorting, sorting the, yeah mail. sorting so i wasn't sure if they were going to be able to keep it going and so far they they separated out by season so you you do your summer season first i think was what it was or yeah. was it was it summer spring summer something like that um so and we're in like i don't know three seasons in now i think we're in like the third season and it's it's still been fun. It's still been interesting. It's still like they change it up just enough to be like, oh, okay, like same idea, but here's this additional challenge. So I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's interesting because they have really gone um, above and beyond and trying to keep it fresh. I mean, like literally like this is not a joke, like literally every level introduces at least one new element. So on on one hand, it's good because you're constantly doing something new. On the other hand, I think there is kind of a downside to it because just about the time that we're getting good at doing something, we have to like learn something new. And the old thing that we learn is maybe not applicable anymore. So I feel like we are constantly like at scrub level skill because we're always relearning the next skill and not really polishing up. But it's funny because just like you said, after we'd gotten through three quarters of the game, um, we went back to like like literally like level one. And we're like, OK, now that we have played all this amount of Kiwi and we're so much better. And we're great gamers to begin with. Yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> we're going to go back and like get some, rack up some golds in level one, right? Yeah, no fucking way. Like, I, we literally can't get a gold in any of these levels. And I'm just like, I wish 
they would just be a little bit easier. I, I, in fact, I think that's kind of my big complaint of the game so far. It's really cute, and I really like it a lot. And uh, we kind of took a pause, but I would like to come back to it. But I think the thing that I'm finding is that it's demanding just like a little too much skill. Um, and the beginning, no big deal. But like when they start adding three and four and five different elements, like one person's got to get a sticker, one person's got to look at a map for the address, one person's got to like. Uh, type something on the typewriter one person's got to like do you know like there's like five or six and seven different things you got to do in one, le one level it gets to be like really a lot and i feel like it's just one notch tougher or re requires one notch more concentration than i want to do for a co-op party game like this um you know it kind of reminds me of something like uh overcooked where overcooked like it's hard but you always know you're always doing like the same kind of three things like you're always getting the food, you know, washing the dishes, serving the dish. And there's little spins on it, but you're kind of like iterating on that little thing, which is also true for Kiwi. But I feel like something about Kiwi, it just makes it a little bit more difficult. And I'm con I don't ever feel like I've got it. Like I'm always, I feel like I'm always struggling to pick up the next skill. We'll get a bronze or whatever, go to the next level. And I feel like I'm kind of relearning from square one again. So I, I wish they would just dial back on the difficulty and maybe giving us a gold once in a while would be great but i mean i don't know about you but i i, I don't want to do a level like 15 times in a row to get a goal you know what i mean yeah no i'm definitely not going to do that yeah i think the the precision could be a little bit better i think like the movement could be a little bit tighter you know i feel yeah. like because they want such a high level of accomplishment to get a gold like i need my kiwi to go where the fuck i tell him to go when yeah. i the first time not the third time you know there's that part where you're trying to do the telegraph part and you're often like running right over the key that you need. And even though you clicked it, so there's definitely some precision stuff that I feel, you know, could be tightened up a little bit. That would help. I mean, also my, you know, reaction time and games is not what it once used to be. So I'm sure that's part of the reason why my 12 year old got a gold and I did not, but yeah, you know, we're definitely not, not that I'm bitter or anything. We're definitely not 12. That's for sure. That's a good point though, because I do feel like they want you to perform at a very high level, especially if you want to get a gold. But, you know, your point about the controls not being super tight is great. I mean, your your Kiwis, I mean, OK, fine, they're Kiwis. I guess you want to have a little stumbly bumbly bird and that's kind of fun. But at the same time, the, the time limits are really stringent. And I think there's also an element of like depth perception that is a problem um, because in each level, they're kind of multi-level where stuff in the back is higher, stuff in the front is lower. And there's often like boxes and ledges to jump up because again and you're like constantly getting stuck yeah under them. yeah because you're a small kiwi right so like you're kind of like navigating this large human-sized environment so rather than simply jumping up to a window ledge to get a letter you've got to like jump up onto a box and then jump up onto like a you know some kind of parcel and then you're on the, the ledge and then you get on top so you're doing a little bit of platforming but it's not a platformer you're just kind of like maneuvering the level and sometimes I'll like jump and I'm like in back of something or like I'm in front of something and I'm not where I think I should be. And just getting around the level sometimes, it, you know, eats into precious seconds. So I think that's a little bit irritating and I wish that was slightly easier as well. So I wouldn't mind it so much if the time limits were a little bit more generous, but it is pretty frustrating. I mean, we've done a couple of these levels a few times and we just, we just, Still no yeah, gold. we just really have a tough time shaving off. And it's the worst when we do one and we're like, Oh man, we killed that one. Totally like working in like <laughs> unison, reading each other's mind, got real good teamwork going on. No one's yelling at each other. It's great. And then it's like fucking still like no better than a yeah. silver. It's really frustrating. So yeah. One thing I do like though, is uh, you get to add little 
costumes and colors to your sure. Kiwi, which is fun. Because actually, I when we first started playing before we had the ability to change anything, it was actually hard to remember which Kiwi was, which one you were. Yeah. You know, and getting, it was easy to get confused. So it was actually nice. It's actually helpful. So it's cute because you can change their colors and make them bright pink or rainbow color and give them little cute little hats and that's adorable. But it's actually really helpful as well because then I can track my Kiwi a lot easier instead of thinking, wait, why am I not going to the, oh, that's because it's you. So that also helps. Yeah, the cosmetics are pretty fun. So kudos to that. And overall, I think it's a good game. Um, definitely a little bit of frustration in the end end sections, though. I kind of wish it would scale back a little bit. But overall... I mean, I definitely dig it. You dig it? How do you How do you feel? Oh, yeah. I would recommend it to people that like playing co-op games together. It's definitely not as rage-inducing as, like, Overcooked or something like that. Oh, either, no. So. Yeah. You know, speaking of which, um, co-op is something that you and I do a lot. And it's not something that Carlos and I ever do. So maybe this is a good time to just pause um, and just talk about that for just a moment. Um, speaking of co-op, what, you know, what other games have we enjoyed or have you enjoyed? Anything you want to give, like, a shout-out to that maybe maybe people listening who have a partner might want to check out? Um, well, I, I think some of our early, uh, one of our earliest games that we played together, together was Helldivers. I think that was an early, early uh, on. Classic. One yes. of my all time favorites. In fact, of... I think that was Witty's first co-op it game with us, right? It might have been his very first co-op game with us. Yeah. Yeah. Possible. So, um, so that one, Monster Hunter obviously is super fun. I mean, we played with people all over the world in that game. Um. Army of Two and The Division, I think, were fun ones, but I think both of those were, like, it was only fun because we were playing together. I wouldn't probably have played it much otherwise, but those are ones that I can think of. Yeah. Left for Dead, I think, was another one that we had a lot of fun with. That's Left for Dead. Yeah, yeah that was another true. good one. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about Army of Two for a second. I mean, I don't know how many people remember that one, but, you know, you were two, like, private military contractors, a co-op game. And you have like a lot of armor and stuff. You look like kind of like real scary dudes. Um, but they did like a lot of fist bumping. That was like one of the big hooks of the game. You could fist bump your partner. I think it even gave you like a little life bump or something like that. But I think that was an interesting one because you were going through these shooter levels. And you're exactly right. Like, I don't think the game would have been at all fun um, just playing it single player. I mean, putting the co-op part aside, I mean, basically all you do is go into a third person level and shoot dudes. Like, I mean, it's, it's pretty basic. Uh, like very light puzzles once in a while, like maybe you're shooting a blinking red light on something, you know, like you're, you're basically just shooting. But I think that the cover system, um, one person drawing aggro for the other, you know, one person covering each other's back. And sometimes you could go back to back with your partner so that you could have like 360 coverage. I mean, some of that stuff is pretty cool. I wouldn't mind seeing like an updated version of that. Uh, especially now that like you know the um, graphics are so much better and the fidelity is so much better and and like the network is so much better. I mean, we did it all local, but um, I think there's definitely room to improve on that. I think. Would you, would you mind going back for one of those? Oh yeah, I would. I would definitely go back and try it again. I I agree though that I remember as we were playing it, we were like, man, if we were just like if I was just playing it by myself. This would be kind of boring because yeah. it's literally just go in, shoot up a bunch of guys, go in, shoot up a bunch of guys. But then when it's the two of us, it's like, you know, you go in and you kind of like get a strategy and you're helping each other out. But you're also just kind of fucking around. And, you know, so it's fun. It's definitely one of those games that lives and dies by the, the friend factor. Sure. Right. You know, yeah. and it's funny, too, because um, I often say that uh, if a game requires people to be fun then it's probably not a very good game to begin with. And I think that really holds true here. I don't think those games are ever very good. 
but they are a good opportunity to be with a good friend or a partner. Um, and in that respect, I think they do shine. So that was pretty good. I mean, kind of the same thing with the division as well. Um, you and I uh, really got into the division and we played a lot with Corey, uh, Corey Motley, former co-host of the show. Uh, we would often three man these missions. And again, perfect example, playing the division on your own, really fucking boring because you're just grinding, shooting repetitive. dudes over and over, really repetitive. But when you've got one or two friends along, um, it was really fun. Like we, we played the shit out of division number one. I mean, we beat the game together as a group and then we did like some post game stuff. And I mean, I think we eventually hit a point where there just wasn't anything else to do. And we kind of fell off of it. Um, but again, you know, we had a great group of people and that was something fun to do. So uh, that's a good one. I mean, probably not anymore, but it was back then. But uh, Monster Hunter, Helldivers, other stuff like that. Uh, so we we get our co-op in. All right. A um, couple more games to talk about and then we're going to bounce. We do have one piece of mail from a listener. We got one comment and I have... One little bonus for us at the end. Just a couple quick words on a few games here. Both of these on the Switch. First, Hermitage Strange Case Files. This is a visual novel. Um, got some Cthulhu elements in it. You play a bookstore owner uh, who has all sorts of weird books in his, in his place. Uh, barely ever leaves the bookstore. And people come to him with all sorts of occult problems. Um, the first case is about a girl who's having these weird prophetic dreams and she wants to know what's what's going on. Uh, you need to get to the bottom of it. Um, so you talk to the girl. You have uh, books that you can read through. You can text message people. There are message boards that you get on. You can read some rumors. And you're kind of just like going through trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, it really grabbed me pretty good at the start because they were going through the tutorial section. So you're getting a little taste of everything. Like you're talking. You were doing the phone. You were doing the computer. You got a notebook with some scraps you got to put into it. Uh, you were doing like, you know, you're doing like basically a little bit of everything as they were showing you the systems. I'm like, oh, this is great. I kind of love I love this because it's like I, I want to say that I'm a fan of visual novels, but I'm a fan of a specific type of visual novel. I want one that is not just reading. I want one that really takes advantage of being a video game. So you can walk around or there's choices in the branching dialogue or there's items to collect or there are maybe really quick QTEs or, you know, something to like really take advantage of the medium. Um, I don't like visual novels where it's just like 99% reading, uh, where all you're doing is like advancing text. I mean, that might as well be a book, right? Like take advantage of, of the medium. So when I started Hermitage, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Look at all these systems. This is really neat. I like it. It's jumping around. This is fun. Um, but once I got past the tutorial stage, uh, I like all that stuff kind of fell away. It became just like, advancing tax, advancing tax, advancing tax, advancing tax, like, like, like tons of text. And I'm like, okay, I get that it's a visual novel, but I need a little bit more variety. Like I, I, otherwise I would just read a book, right? Because it would just, um, that's basically what I'm doing. So I, I kind of fell off of it because there was just too much text to get through. And I really wanted it to get back to doing the other things. So interesting story. I feel like the script was pretty well written. Translation was kind of spotty where there's a few word choices where it was kind of head scratching. Some of the sentences I don't think really are written the way they should be, but it's not bad. I mean, I've definitely seen worse and I think the premise is really interesting. The art is very good, but I'm just not the kind of player that can hang with a visual novel where most of what you're doing is advancing text. That's too boring for me and it makes me fall asleep. So if Hermitage had switched things up a little bit more and gotten to the other systems a little bit more, I think I definitely would have stuck with it. 
but as it is, I need a little bit more juice. So that's where I ended up on that. Probably will not finish it. Honey, uh, you're not a big fan of visual novels, are you? No, not really. I definitely, when I'm playing a game, I want to, I want to do stuff. I want to engage with things and do all that. I can read a book if I want to have a story. Yeah. I mean, I know you're definitely not huge on like story-based games with some exceptions. Um, I think I'm definitely more tolerant of that than you are. Cause I really like the writing and games and characterization sometimes. Um, and I just want to hurry up and yeah, get to the action. You are definitely the skip through the dialogue person. That's for sure. I don't always skip through the dialogue. You read quickly and move on though. I, maybe yes. I skim. I you're, skim. You're a skimmer. <laughs> skimmer. Um, so yeah, I mean, strange case files. If you're a person who doesn't mind like really, really, really text heavy visual novels, Definitely check it out. I think there's some good stuff going on. I just I just need it to be a little bit more varied for my particular taste. Uh, last game to mention of the show, Time Lie, T-I-M-E-L-I-E. Although when you look at it on the title screen, there's a little um, background art that makes it look like it's trying to say Timeline. Um, they do a little visual trick there, but actually it's Time Lie. This is a top-down, kind of an isometric puzzle game where you play a girl and a cat in these abstract levels where there are a lot of locked doors, there are a lot of um, keypads, there are a lot of robots who are on guard. So it's really like a stealth avoidance game. But the, the hook to this is that you've got a lot of time manipulation. You can speed time up, you can slow time down, you can... You have these kind of like little visions where you can kind of like play through a level first to see what's going on, which is kind of weird because the game says you're, you're getting a preview of the level, but what you're actually doing is playing the level. And then when you solve it, it says something like engage and then you do it. And then you see yourself playing through on autopilot, what you just did, um, which I guess is the, the narrative premise of like, Oh, now that you mentally figured it out, now you're doing it for realsies. Um, strange, strange thing. It's kind of a strange premise. Um, the graphics are pretty good. I think the the concept is interesting, but it's a very system heavy, very finicky game where you're going to be caught by the robots a lot. And it's a lot of it is about like split second timing, dodging robots, figuring out what order to open keypads in, like a lot of locked doors. And it's very slow going. Um, I was hoping it would be just like slightly more action focus but it's really really slow really really dense really really just kind of oh just kind of i mean honestly kind of tedious a little bit i'm i'm not the biggest fan of like really 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 hardcore stealth i mean i don't mind some stealth for sure uh but this is basically all about like step by step by step stealth with multiple moving pieces including robots line of sight uh fast forwarding time uh, also time powers where you can activate certain things like a bridge falls you can make the bridge reform itself by reversing time. I mean, it, honestly, it feels a little bit overcomplicated to me, and it feels very like I'm wading through systems and really trying to just get into a flow, but there's just a lot of things to manage, and it just feels very, very busy um, in a way that I don't especially appreciate. So I did not spend a lot of time with Timeline. I definitely don't think it's for me, but for people who like really crunchy systems, if you're like a big stealth head, if you really like uh, multi-layered puzzles and like pulling those apart. Maybe it's for you. I mean, honey, does this seem at all like something that you might want to get into? I mean, I really enjoy puzzles. I enjoy a game that has some good puzzles to figure out. So that's definitely a piece I enjoy. Um, but I, you were mentioning stealth. 
Yeah, it's yeah. really stealth heavy. Yeah. Yeah, no. I'm not, not a not, stealth fan. Again, I want to get into the action. I don't want to creep around. And so, yeah. not, the, not that part so much. Yeah, you know, I, I don't like strict stealth. I mean, I definitely like, I don't mind stealth being one element where it's like, sneak around but if you get caught maybe you fight your way out or maybe you have other options or something but the whole sneak and if you get caught you got to go back and just try it again those kind of wear on me a little bit i mean same for you yeah i don't find that enjoyable yeah i can't say that i'm the biggest fan of those pure stealth uh experiences but all right anyway that is time lie uh so heads up on that one um those are all the games we're going to cover on this episode but we do have a couple of comments uh from listeners and we have one little bonus at the end um first the bonus before we get any further i meant to mention this at the top of the show uh but uh carlos did send us a file i know that he's laid up in the hospital he's got a lot of antibiotics going on but he did find the strength to send us a really quick clip about his thoughts on kina uh bridge of spirits i don't recall if we've ever talked about this on the show before i don't think so um, so I will have that clip at the end of the show if I can figure out how to splice it into this uh, into this recording. Fingers crossed on that. We'll see. No promises. But um, if I do manage to figure that out, it'll be after the closing music. So stay tuned for Carlos's quick uh, audio clip of Kina Bridge of Spirits. So heads up on that. Uh, in the meantime, we did get one comment from Night Dreamer via Twitter. Uh, I was uh, letting people know that Gina was going to be at the show this week. And he chimed in to say... I just want to say Gina is awesome. And you know what? I agree, Night Dreamer. Oh, that's so sweet. I agree. Thank you for that comment. Uh, another comment comes from superfan Elio Capitelli. Hello, Elio. Um, he sent in an email a couple weeks ago. My bad. We should have had it on last week's show um, because he wanted to chip into our Game of the Year discussion. Now, full disclosure, he did send it in a little bit late. He sent it in after we had already recorded the show. So there was no point at which we could have gotten it onto that episode. But we are doing it one episode late, so I do apologize. Uh, so downside, we didn't get to it sooner. Upside, he's got this entire segment all to himself now. So I guess uh, six of one, half dozen of another. Uh, Elio Capitelli, here is your choices. We asked you for three of your favorite experiences last year and one stinker. Here's what Elio says. Um, let's see. He says, in general, I don't play games in the year they're released. So here's my list of games I played. Top three in no particular order and a brief review that I'm welcome to ignore. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, let's see. First one that he likes uh, is Outer Wilds Echo of the Eye. He says, this is fantastic DLC for a fantastic game. When I first heard about DLC for Outer Wilds, I was skeptical. The base game tells a complete story and it's such a unique experience. How can they add something meaningful on top of it? But oh boy, did they. Echoes of the Eye captures the next sense of wonder, introduces new unique areas to explore, and it fits perfectly within the world of the base game, including answering a question I didn't even realize was left unanswered. Interesting. I've heard a lot of people um, go back and forth on this one. Some people I thought it was great. Elio, you clearly think it's great. Some people I've, I've heard felt like it was terrible. So I don't know where I would land on that, but that, you definitely like that one. So good job. Gina, would you like to, to talk about his second choice right here? Sure. So this is Celeste. Played this around April this year after reading an article that talked about Celeste in the context of transgender experiences. I usually don't gravitate towards punishing platformers, and I don't find pixel art all that attractive. But against all odds, Celeste hooked me from the start. 
The controls are tight and predictable, and while it is hard, due to the instant respawn and infinite lives, it is also fairly forgiving. The story is touching, and the sound design is unparalleled. Lena Raine's soundtrack has burrowed its way into my staple music and inspired me to learn to play the piano. A pretty neat conclusion to a game all about pushing yourself to overcome obstacles. That's a nice little little summary there. Yeah, you did a good job. I like you, it. You played Celeste, didn't you? Did you play some of that? <clears throat> I thought you might have tried it for a minute. Like a hot second, maybe. Maybe? Maybe. I, played, I don't know. I'm pretty sure you did. For like, a, You played the first level or something. I played Celeste when it came out. I love Celeste. I think it's really, really good. It is, it is real hard. But uh, it, to its credit, number one, the controls are spot on. I mean, it's, it's a very fair difficulty. Uh, very demanding, but it does perform if you have the skill. On the on the plus side, though, they have oodles of accessibility options, so you can turn on invincibility, extra jumping, um, like slowing slowing down time. Like you can do all sorts of things because the developers definitely put in difficulty, but they also wanted people to fucking play the goddamn game, which I absolutely respect. So for people who don't want that challenge, which was, I mean, granted, a lot of people, you can just play through the game, get this. The story is great, the music's great. I think the graphics are great. I love Celeste a lot. I mean, I played it um, on normal mode, and I um, I was definitely bashing my head against a brick wall a few times. But I get I did get there. Uh, but I, I really really appreciate how there are options, and uh, it's a great game. So that's a good pick. Um, next one from Elio. This is another another good one. The Artful Escape, which was one of my top ten of the year. He says I've already nagged you with this game enough in my previous email, which we read a couple episodes back. So I'll just say that this game is a feast for the senses that begs to be read as a trans story. Totally 100% agree. It is like 99.9% a trans narrative. And I am still scratching my head that the developers just didn't take that last 0.01%. So uh, let's say he has a surprise pick, a fourth game. Gina, would you like to pick this one? Sure. Parasite Eve, surprise fourth game. Um, and he says, if I can be so bold, I'll add a fourth game that was released 23 years ago. I mean, that's forever ago. I mean, our son thinks the 80s is like prehistoric. He so I mean, Brontosaurus as we're walking around in the 80s. 1998. So. That is that is ancient. Did we have fire at that point yet? I don't. I don't think so. I think we were trying to invent a wheel or something yeah. like that. Anyway, this gem from 1998 has its rough edges, but it's still really enjoyable even today. The mutated creatures are gross and interesting to look at, and the bosses even more so. The weird PS1-era low-polygon graphics and the stiff plastic-looking pre-rendered cutscenes actually enhance the bizarre unnatural style that contrasts with the realistically presented backdrop. The story is nonsense of such a high level that it circles back and becomes genuinely fun. The main character, um, Ayabrea, is weirdly compelling from what little she actually says or does. The way she combats these nightmarish monstrosities with a gun and dressed in jeans and a black jacket feels fresh and even relatable. Man, what a what a crazy pick and what a perfect pick for the show. Parasite Eve. Holy shit. That brings back memories. Um, Wow. I mean, I love that game back in the day when Square Enix was, I think, just Square. Uh, No Enix at that point, I'm pretty sure. And they were being really experimental with a lot of stuff. It wasn't just about Final Fantasy at that time. They were doing lots of different IPs, stuff like... um, well, whatever. Lots of stuff that I can't name, but if I went back and Googled it, I would have lots of examples. Um, Brave Fans for Musashi and stuff like that. Like, really crazy stuff. Um, so, great, great game. And I think even Parasite Eve 2 is really, really cool. I think this uh, IP is definitely due for an update, and I would love to see it done with all the bells and whistles that Square Enix has at their disposal now. 
with with an eye towards gameplay, I think something really cool could come from that. So good pick, Elio. I really um, I mean, I had no, never would have in a million years guessed you picked that one, but good pick. Um, and your choice for this year's stinker. Ooh, this is going to be a controversial one. Solar Ash. Elio says a game based on speed and fluid motion should never stop. But Solar Ash only stops. Both the fragility of the character and the design of the boss fights, in quotes, means that even the tiniest of errors leads to a death. The result is that most time is spent going from the last checkpoint to where I was before I died, instead of gracefully soaring the colorful skies of the Ultra Void. On top of that, traversal is just not that interesting. It's impossible not to compare this to The Pathless. Whereas in that game, movement itself was the gameplay as you gain speed by actively shooting targets. Here, it's just press RT to go, which I guess is my sound for power skating across clouds. Terribly disappointing. So, you know, I I I didn't finish Solar Ash. Um, I liked part of it, and I, I actually kind of agree with this in a lot of ways. Um, I think you're pretty on point about the checkpoints and the boss fights. Those are pretty pretty buzzkill. And to be honest, um, I didn't really care for the traversal that much. I like the graphics, the the themes. Um, it's a really pretty game to look at, but real talk, it didn't click with me. So I get where you're coming from. So Elio, thank you very much for your contribution. Sorry we didn't get to him sooner, but there you go. And that's going to do it for the show. As always, we'd love to get your questions and comments. Hit us up, sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at sovideogames. We're also on TikTok, I guess. So video games podcast. I'm not sure if Carlos has been updating that or not. Let us know, but you can also reach us individually. Uh, Gina, where would you like people to reach you on the social media? If at all. Um, I guess just mainly Twitter. I think all my other stuff is private. It makes perfect so. sense. I would want that stuff private too. Where can they reach you on Twitter? What's your Twitter handle? It is Gina Galloway, G I N A G A L L A W A Y. Is that all A's, no O's? That is all A's, no O's, as it should be. Nice. All right. As for me, same as always, on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, it's B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. And like she said, all A's, no O's. And that's going to do it for episode 266. Thank you all again for joining us here on the So Video Games Podcast. And we will see you next Friday. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And Bye from Gina. Carlos here with a review of Kina Bridge of Spirits on the So Video Games podcast, which I'm normally on, but right now I'm away for the week. 
So this is a remote segment. How you doing, Brad? Oh, you can't answer me? Well, I'll just talk then about a video game. Uh, Kena Bridge of Spirits is a game I've been trying to play for a while. Uh, I put it on my backlist. I was thinking about it. I got distracted. And what's interesting is I just finished that Biomutant game, which I actually like, and I'll talk about it even more probably, but I did finish it, rolled credits. And it's an action RPG. There's a lot of crafting, but it is similar to Kena in, in the way that you have a little character, action-based you know, combat, and you're upgrading yourself, and Kena has that. So what is Kena? Um, for one thing, it's beautiful. It's done by Ember Labs. I think that's their first game. They originally did a lot of CGI, computer graphics, beautiful animation stuff, and they were like, let's make a game because we already make like the graphics, so let's make a game to go along with it. And I'm so glad they did because this is a really special game, and it is beautiful. So first off, um, yeah, it's a story game. You play as Kina, a young spirit guide who's traveling through an abandoned village to find out uh, about this mountain shrine. But really what the story is about is you're a spirit guide, and it's kind of a somber game because there's a lot of sad stories that she learns about, people who have passed, and she learns about how they passed, what their history was, and it really does speak to me on like a lot of different levels because I have Native American in me and I'm definitely, my dad talked about spirits and wind and listening to the wind. So there's a lot of stuff that hit home with me on this, as well as just, it's an interesting juxtaposition because it's cute and Pixar-ish and one like type of thing. But then on another way, it's dark and kind of sad. And then on a third way, the combat's like challenging. You know, you definitely have to dodge and like, charge your attack and there's bow and arrow stuff. So it's a tough game. I put it down to story mode because come on, you know, I'd rather finish the game. And I heard that other challenging levels uh, of, you know, difficulty levels are super, super hard, like Dark Souls style. So, but I put it on story mode. It's challenging even in that mode at times, but it's fun and it's really, really fun. And I'm upgrading my melee tree, of course, the first thing I'm doing. And yeah, you have the staff, you have a bow and arrow, you can upgrade both of them. Uh, I immediately upgraded to like where you can take my staff and turn it into a hammer because I almost felt like, hey, I'm in a melee, two-handed melee, what type of situation with Kina. And then Kina also finds all these little creatures, uh, rots, which is a terrible name for them because they're adorable. And rot kind of reminds me of um, Roach, He's the horse and witcher, terrible name. Terrible name for both of them. But they are adorable and they help you. Uh, they can basically bind up enemies. They can like destroy these red infections, infectious kind of areas. Um, the whole idea of this place that you're at is there's beautiful scenery and nice villages, but then some stuff is infected with this like dark red and black stuff. And so the little spirits can help you destroy those and then kind of make the whole area better again. Which again, has some very similarities to uh, Biomutant because there's some stuff that's like that in there. Um, and you know, games where you basically just like destroy the, the darkness and make things new again. Uh, so that's kind of a fun mini game. And then also you can actually take the little rots and uh, use them to unblock certain sections by, they form into a bubble and they do stuff. 
Um, anyways, in general, it's an action game uh, with these you know story elements. I think the thing that I was surprised by the most was just how dark some of the stories are and how kind of sad it is uh, as you kind of uncover how people you know passed and and learn about their past. Uh, you go to a little village and you kind of like you know see these little signs left uh, about things that have happened there. And it really does feel like you're alone. Like you're talking to people, but a lot of them are spirits because you're a spirit guide and they're not really there. And I don't know if I've actually met a real person yet in the game. I don't think I have. Yeah, the arch ne nemesis, a uh, minor spoiler, that you first meet in the very first second or whatever. I'm pretty sure he's a spirit. So I think I've only met spirits and little creatures. Um, but I love it. I really, really do enjoy it. There's platforming. The only part I don't like in the platforming is that there's that kind of uncharted um, traversal where you have to like climb onto the sides of walls and, you know, jump to the ledge and jump to the other ledge. I just don't want that anymore. Please don't give it to me in any game. I don't want to. I don't want to jump from ledge to ledge and look out and then do a jump. No, no, no. I don't want to do any of that gameplay. There's a little of that in here that kind of bothers me, but I like the combat a lot. I like the fact that you can upgrade yourself, so it has that kind of like action RPG light feel to it. It's beautiful, and I didn't even mention this. There's two modes which we always hate. Talk about in the show. There's performance mode and fidelity mode. Someday those will be gone. But the performance mode is very close to fidelity mode, more than any other game. And you would think they're going to get it right because, you know, they do really cool graphics first and foremost. And so they nailed it. Like 60 frames per second at 4K, whatever they're doing, the fidelity mode, like souped up, it's not worth it. Like 30 frames is just crazy for this game because it is very fast. Um so that's my quick synopsis. I really like it. It's beautiful. It isn't, it's a little bit weird in the fact that it seems like it's for kids or something at times and Pixar-ish and, you know, the little cute rots, terrible name. And then it's like really difficult and then it's challenging and then the bow and arrow stuff is kind of difficult and challenging, but satisfying. Um, I'm a little confused on who it's for, but it's definitely for me. Uh, I think if you like action RPGs, um, yeah, and an adventure game with a really interesting story. And I'm very, very also excited about, you know, this kind of tribal nature to it. And it just feels really grounded and, and interesting more than I thought. Um, so this is a thumbs up from Carlos. And I'll see you all on the podcast next week. Thanks, Brad. Oh, you're not going to answer me? Okay. And that's bye from Carlos.